Yeah, tonight in our headlines, we talk about ESCOM. Now, where the ESCOM executive this afternoon held a press conference to update the country on the current uh, spate of load shedding. Now, this included the incident out in Zambia that affected the country and municipalities that have not been uh, load shed on the schedule and, of course, some of the units uh, that uh, seem to have been battling and uh, the expectation of when they would come back on and uh, yeah, thousands and thousands of megawatts uh, uh, yeah, seemingly lost to the grid. And uh, joining me now on the line is Sikonati Manchancha, the spokesperson out at ESCOM. Shekaz, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, sir, and good evening to Metro FM Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, let's maybe start off with that, what we've been calling tonight the Chipolopolo effect, uh, what is happening out in Zambia. Uh, maybe just explain it to us lay people who might not understand how your fleet operates or how the transmission grid operates within the Southern African power pool. Uh, why would something that happens, maybe let's say out in Dola or in uh, Lusaka, affect somebody and keep somebody in the dark out in Randburg? Uh, maybe explain that. Thank you, Ebonga. Zambia lost 1,800 megawatts of, of capacity, of generation capacity, mm. on Saturday. And, and uh, so because the power system is, is interlinked, all the, they're interconnected, all the, the, the countries in southern Africa except three, and those three are Angola, Malawi, uh, and Tanzania. All the others are on the same frequency and they're interconnected. So this caused a drop, that sudden loss of power in Zambia, which plunged the country in darkness, caused a drop in our frequency to 49.31 heads in South Africa. And, and this, uh, this then caused the, the, the power that we get from Mozambique, uh, caused a loss of 1,000 megawatts from the Kahora Basa mm. dam, which supplies us through the Apollo line, in, uh, which goes all the way through to Pretoria. We lost 1,000 megawatts there, and, and that also knocked out one unit at the Tutuka power station. So we had then, as uh, South Africa, uh, to, to rely suddenly on the automatic protection systems mm. uh, in our hydro-pumped uh, storage schemes. So, so that, how does that, this work? That I mean, maybe just before we, we get, I guess, to the transmission effect and what ended up happening downstream. How does it happen? I mean, um, you know, does does a, a shock to the system, say in you know Zimbabwe, in the case of I guess Zesa or whoever, trigger something else in Kaora Basa that then comes back to South Africa? How does that happen? Is it like tripping up of a switch? That, 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 that's, that, that's exactly what you have said, Ayabonga. Now I have to here at this point admit my own limitations as a journalist. Perhaps our a person in the system operator's office may have the absolute detail and, and take you through step by step. Mm. Uh, what? Yeah, uh, that, that, that's what I'm able to tell you now. Uh, we had that problem because uh, Zambia lost suddenly a trip, 1,800 megawatts, and, and that affected Kahora Basa uh, and in Mozambique, uh, which obviously uh, affected Botswana and indeed Zimbabwe, which are all sharing the, the, the network. In South Africa, we had our own Tutuka knocked out as well, one, uh, about one, one unit there. Mm. Talk to me about some of the units that even predating the Zambian incident, because we had load shedding last week and it didn't, something didn't happen in Zambia then. Uh, but we did have some vulnerability and weaknesses in our existing generating fleet. 
Talk to me about what's been happening. Creel One, Litabo, and many others. Um, and uh, I guess some of the issues, um, you know, related to the explosion that happened out at Madupi. We, we have had, since the, the 26th of October, when we were plunged into, into, into load shedding, uh, after our system briefing in which we took the country through the whole system, uh, three generation units at Tutuka had problems with their conveyor belts, and, and they, they couldn't receive the coal and therefore could not generate uh, power there for about two to three days. And that immediately, uh, of course, reduced available capacity uh, because if you add that to the problems we are having uh, to that explosion of Unit 4 at Midupi, which on its own took out 700 megawatts, then you go to Kendall uh, Unit 1, which took out another 680 megawatts. So if you add those together with the units at the Chutuka power station, we had in only three uh, stations a loss of about 5,000 megawatts. Now that's about uh, 10% of, of, of ESCOM's uh, installed capacity. Mm. That were, th- those were not the only problems uh, that, that, that we did have. As you will know, Ayabonga, the, uh, ESCOM's are plus minus... Uh, 75 generation units, uh, coal-fired generation units. They keep tripping on and off again, but this does not affect the public when we have sufficient capacity or less demand, so the people do not know. But on a daily basis, you have any number of power stations or units uh, at, at about 11,000 megawatts. So, so what is the minimum attention? Yeah, what is the minimum uh, functional capacity you need to prevent load shedding? So if you've got say 50,000 megawatts installed capacity, what is the minimum megawattage you need uh, to stem away I guess load shedding on any day? If if we have 31,000 megawatts okay. freely available then we, we, we do not worry about load shedding. But the moment we drop below 28,500, mm. then we have a problem because the country's demand averages uh, about 29,000 megawatts. Mm. And that the PFMA doesn't allow for a procurement process that would be, I guess, synonymous with the scale and the frequency of maintenance work you guys need to do. I'm battling to understand that. Maybe, maybe help us there. Not, not only the frequency and the scale, but if you consider the fact that ESCOM or the provision of electricity is the most critical of economic factors, uh, the, the PFMA enjoins us to one, uh, scour the market and search, and search for the cheapest of suppliers in any product that ESCOM will buy. And, and, and that of the, there are, of course, other implications. So let, let's look at it this way. In your vehicle, and, and let's, let's just assume you're driving a Mercedes-Benz, uh, the PFM like says, Datsun, but yes, for okay. maintenance mm-hmm. here, go uh, uh, to the market and, and check who can supply you parts, the cheapest mm. one. And it also says, uh, check who can do maintenance the cheapest. In other words, uh, you, you don't have to worry about what uh, the original uh, maker, in this instance, BMW. Uh, there are parts you, you can check. If you can get parts, you can use in this little cheaper. 
naturally that means you will uh, you, you will uh, buy parts that are not made by BMW and therefore uh, will, will, will not carry the same quality mm-hmm. and indeed the guarantees that you would naturally okay. get from the original uh, manufacturer of that vehicle. Now, for, for, for such heavy equipment and critical machinery as the power stations, that uh, is, is, is not practical, particularly when also the mechanics that have to do the maintenance and work with these parts are also not required to be those that have been trained by the, by the original equipment manufacturer. So those are the those are the things that ESCOM has has, has some issues about procurement because cheapest is not always best. Yes, of course that 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 may very well be said about the most expensive or the original equipment manufacturers. Mm-hmm. I want you to hold the line there for me for a second. We're going to take a quick spot break, but when we come back. I want us to talk about, uh, I guess, some of the issues that you're raising there around procurement uh, and also uh, the challenges of getting some of the components and spares you need, uh, which are aligned to what the OEMs, uh, you know, who, I guess, um, you know, were critical to building some of these things many, many years ago, uh, what their requirements would be. And uh, we'll come back to that and also the role of some of the municipalities as well. You know what this ESCOM story is? Yeah, Skonati, before we get to the issues of OEMs, procurement, Omas Pala, what do you say to that brother there uh, who, uh, by his own admission, is uh, quite au fait with uh, the cold storage uh, approach out at uh, Kelvin? Uh, Your thoughts on that? Uh, Should you guys be compensating us? Uh, Of course, you might say no, but, um, I mean, is there scope for that type of thing? Because, Aban Bayo Nagalel. In reality, ESCOM does compensate users or consumers of electricity where it has and that's the insurance companies uh, insuring ESCOM where it has been proven that uh, any damage they may have suffered has been uh, caused by ESCOM's technical problems. So the burden uh, of proof is on me? Sorry? The burden of proof that my appliances due to a surge Ziaz or Nagala is on me? Indeed, sir, there is quite a long process, I must say, uh, that, that, that because ESCOM has to protect the, the public's money. Uh, so there is a long process that uh, you would be required to, uh, you start by filling in uh, forms, claim forms that ESCOM will submit to you. Those you can find when you have contacted uh, customer services on mm-hmm. the 08600 number 37566. So you, you get sent your claim form there. But the process, I must mm. say, is long. It's not, uh, it's not like you, you will quickly get your claim sorted out because of the checks and balances that have to be applied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to me, uh, Sikonat. We were talking just before we into the break around this issue of uh, procurement and the difficulties of uh, a procurement framework that is very fixated with cost, right? Uh, cost competitiveness of what is being sourced, and understandably so. I mean, Imali Abandu. Um, but I guess in your case, you're also dealing with very specialized OEMs who are supplying you with parts who, you know, in some cases it's also skills that you need uh, aimed at trying to refurbish, maintain and repair, you know, uh, some of the problematic elements in our fleet. Um, surely there's a framework uh, within our procurement framework that allows you uh, where you are able to motivate yourselves. And I guess in this case, the burden would be on, on yourselves to prove uh, that uh, this type of action or going out and commissioning 
certain type of capability would get us to a point where we have some energy security? Totally correct. There there are those uh, mechanisms which, I must uh, repeat now, uh, you you have to apply to national treasury, and it's called uh, deviation, to Mm. to deviate from uh, from the prescribed procurement processes. Those processes require you to advertise the sale, the opportunity that you have, run a process and then shortlist suppliers, and then finally arrive at a panel where you can choose, for example, three suppliers of the same product and keep them in your panel, where you would then approach any, all three of them and say, who can offer this uh, the cheapest? Uh, so you have to apply for a deviation and, and prove to National Treasury why you do not want to go the long route which opens the whole uh, tender process to everybody, even those that who do not stand a chance and should not be even uh, pitching for, the, for, for that contract. And on top, on top of uh, the application, the, the response time that ESCOM has been receiving from National Treasury is an average 77 days uh, for National Treasury to acknowledge an email and, and start the process where they consider your reasons why you are requesting to be exempted from uh, from the normal process. It is called a deviation. And then, of course, uh, you you will be called at some point to go to Parliament to uh, to, to account for for the deviation. And National Treasury can reject this, and it has done with, uh, at times it would seem, with not much understanding of the implications. Let's look at it this way. If you fell sick now, you want the best doctor available. You don't want the cheapest. You want the best doctor available to treat you. And uh, that is exactly what this infrastructure requires. You go to the makers of the the equipment, the original manufacturers or or the branded equipment manufacturers to get the the services that you need. Uh, it, It does not always happen, and the PFMA... Uh, and it's a constitutional uh, principle uh, that requires you to check with everybody, even time wasters, if I may say. So we are in a crisis, and we are in an emergency, and we have been in a crisis for 14 years as South Africa, unable to generate electricity. Uh, there, there are some of the things that can be done from outside of ESCOM to help alleviate this process. Let's talk briefly about, um, I guess, compliance. Uh, and maybe for the benefit of some of our listeners who might not be familiar with, you know, where ESCOM provides electricity and where you do so working alongside municipalities who collect their own agency fees. Because the CEO today was saying that it's only Buffalo City um, and uh, which other municipality that had complied, and Eteguini, which had complied with the directives around the scheduling, different blocks of load shedding. What happens outside of some of the metros? Maybe for the benefit of some of us who might not be familiar with that. I have on ESCOM system operator gives the instructions to distribution holders, license holders. Mm. So, for example, in Johannesburg, in many parts of Johannesburg, City Power has the distribution license. That means it is City Power that is responsible for your for your light inside your house. Uh, it buys the, the electricity from ESCOM and you pay your bill to City Power. The, the system operator gives an instruction to those municipalities and say, you are on stage two. 
you, you will switch off and there, there, is, uh, there, there is a timetable uh, that they do this on. And uh, we noticed over the past three days that not all the municipalities were complying with that instruction. Mm. And there's quite a lot of the municipalities uh, that, that, that did not comply, uh, around 200. But if you look at the, at, at the stage two that we requested, there was absolutely no response. And the largest of customers are the municipalities. So as soon as the municipalities uh, meet their obligations in terms of the system operator's instruction, you would see the difference. That is the reason ESCOM had to escalate load shedding to stage four. Uh, and and there is now a process in which ESCOM will, uh, has, has conducted those municipalities or the system operator to demand an explanation and then take the, the, the process forward. Mm. Do you get a sense, because I certainly do, that the more assurances you give to the public, the more concerned and the more uncertain the situation gets. I mean, I heard the CEO, Andre Dorator, earlier on today saying, you know, one of the units is coming on on Friday morning at 5 a.m., the other one on Monday, and we might be able to shift between the different stages. And, of course, that might give some relief and respite and some reassurance. Uh, but it doesn't indicate that, I guess, the specter of load shedding, which is, what, 13 years old now, um, you know, is something that we're going to be able to put behind us as a society, behind us as an economy. Um, what are your views on this? I mean, and how, I guess, as a, as a utility, uh, uh, where all of us are reliant on you for our energy needs, how you've managed this, how you've communicated on it, and whether or not you've uh, not only reassured South African firms and households, but uh, also the investor community that there's actually you know, going to be energy security of supply. I have on the first, let me confirm that tomorrow morning at 5, we are dropping one stage to stage 3. And we will stay on stage 3 until uh, 5 a.m. on Friday. Then we will okay. be on stage 2 all the way until Saturday, as we have previously communicated. Well, I mean, now, you can tell us 30 minutes before that you're going to go to stage 4 from stage 2. So... Yes, that's absolutely possible. Mm. Uh, That's absolutely possible. This management team at ESCO made a commitment to the people of South Africa and said, one, we will be totally... Sorry, sorry, we lost you there for a second. There's towers, the connector, and now it's better load shedding. Skonati, are you still with us there? Ah, let's try and get Sikonati on a much, much better line there. We seem to be battling with his connection there. But yeah, do let us know some of your own thoughts. Yeah, four minutes it is uh, after 8 p.m. It's the headlines here on Metro FM Talks. Sikonati, do we have you back on the line? Sikonati. Sikonati. Okay, Sikonati is not with us. Oh, yes. Sikonati, are you with us? Yes, I am back, sir. My, my yes, yes, yes. Sorry, man, I lost, you. I lost you when um, I guess you were responding uh, and saying, look, it's possible that uh, even though you're, we're going down back to stage three tomorrow and maybe stage two over the next few days or so, that you could tell us on Friday afternoon that Ukon and we're going to go back to stage four or stage six. This management team has made the pledge to the people of South Africa that we will be totally transparent about ESCOM and what is happening and what is being done to correct the situation. So right up front, I must tell you that 
we will continue to have these electricity problems and mm. therefore load shedding until, one, we have additional capacity, which has now grown, the need uh, has grown to between 4,000 and 6,000 megawatts. On the 10th of December 2019, ESCOM formally requested the government because by law only the government can, can authorize or license anyone to build power stations. We formally requested the government to allow uh, anyone who may be able to, pro- uh, to, to, to produce electricity mm. to, to build power stations and, and, and sell this. And we said this was an emergency. At that time, the need was only 4,000 megawatts. Now the gap uh, has grown to about uh, 4,000 to 6,000 megawatts, and this left unattended will continue to grow. Mm. So the need for additional generation capacity is even greater, and uh, that is outside of ESCOM's control. So yes, we will at some point, and uh, and sooner than people want to, uh, we will come back and say we have to load shed again. That's the reality of South Africa until we build new power stations and bring new generation capacity online. I guess, Korati, the other dimension of it is that, you know, we're going to be stuck here until proper maintenance starts to happen on what is a very, very old fleet, which comes back to the point you were making earlier on about procurement. But I'm wondering, I mean, if the PFMA has been around for as long as it has, um, is the implied, I guess the implication of what you're saying, that, you know, many of the predecessors uh, at ESCOM were unable or reluctant or blankly refused to do the maintenance that was routine uh, because of the same constraints, or are you saying, I guess, they were able to do it uh, and if so, uh, then what about the procurement constraints you were mentioning earlier? Let, let me account for the current team of, of, of ESCOM. Indeed, ESCOM itself has a lot to answer for. Uh, it has to improve the, the, the ability to keep the stations on. When we have maintained a unit and then return it to service, then uh, it, it better be able to do exactly what was promised. We, we are not yet at that level. And there are 75 generation units, coal plants, that, 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 that you have to go through. Each and every one of those, one single unit, and, and that's a, a, a unit for the, for the, for the, for the average uh, person like me. And you can think of as, a, as, as one plate in your four-plate stove, which you can operate on and off as you please while the others are off. It takes at least 24 months to plan a proper overhaul of that one unit, and there's 80 of those. Uh, you, you plan the, the outage or, or the maintenance for, for about 24 months, and when you switch that machine off, it will take you at least four months to work through it and then return it to start working again. So you have to do this, in the case of ESCOM now, 73 times, uh, where you have to go to each unit. So it will take time. Uh, that, however, does not uh, remove ESCOM's responsibility to deliver what the people of South Africa need. Uh, mm. But then in that case, no, no, you must go in decisions that the government, for example, for, for projects like the 2010 World Cup, yes. where there were instructions given to ESCOM mm. uh, that you will keep the lights on at all costs. Okay. All right. uh, and, and there were other events where uh, it would seem that uh, matters beyond uh, engineering consideration came in and played a role. Mm. So we all uh, indeed are, are 
we are in agreement okay. with that. That, however, does not no, change Sikonad, the fact that ESCOM needs to produce definitely. power. I think the point is well made. Um, that there has been political interference in the past, and I think many of us would accept and lament that. Uh, but I think th the point you're making is that, one, we need new generation capacity, and uh, there's something to be said around how that comes from new sources as outlined in the IRP, and, and uh, I guess you know many of our listeners would be familiar with that. But I'm interested in this maintenance part, because I, I do feel that if the bulk of our energy at the moment is coming from this fleet, as is Dov Butetangaz, or that... Uh, surely we would benefit as a society if you played open cards with us and said, look, guys, we're going to take maybe 20 or 30% of the existing coal fleet off the grid. That means we need to curtail uh, you know, capacity and, by extension, demand by a certain amount. And that's what it is for the next five years, uh, if indeed we want to turn things around. But it just seems like we, you know, we, we try and patch up and then and then you, know, you end up having to run helter-skelter trying to you know, communicate uh, uh, what, I guess, to many people is still very, very unclear. Ayabonga, we have been telling the people of South Africa exactly that for the past two years. We have said to the people of South Africa, this load shedding, one, will carry on until... ...to be maintained in order to buy... Uh, long-term uh, sustainability and reliability on the machines. And we have said this will take time. Yes, uh, uh, w w when this new team also came in in 2018, it was a lot more uh, 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 optimistic, if that, if that is the correct term, where we said we will significantly reduce uh, the occurrence of load shedding. Is it still two years? Is the timeline months. still two years? That has not happened. Is it still 18 months or two years, in only five years ago? Because, I mean, the, your explanation of what needs to happen to one plant uh, or one plant in your fleet, uh, yeah, it's going to need more than 18 months. So what is it now, five we, years? We, we definitely need a lot of time. Uh, we have doubled maintenance where we have now uh, 5,500 uh, to 6,000 megawatts of, of plant. This year alone, uh, we, we have gone through a maintenance of 11 generation units. Sure. The, 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 the reality, though, Ayabonga, is that those plants that you have not gotten through yet oh. to, 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 to work on, they, they, they really deteriorate a lot faster than, sure. than, than we want them to. Okay. Now, remember, in, in this fleet... Uh, wait, Sikonat, let's do this. Uh, wait, 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 let's do this. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wait, 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 we've got a spot break, so I don't want it cut off. The final explanation was an actually. So if you can just give us five seconds of your time on the other side of this break. Yeah, 12 minutes it is after 8 p.m. And uh, for our headlines this evening, we speak to the ESCOM spokesperson, Sikonati Manjanja. Sikonati, uh, yeah, we had a spot break that was nearing on us there. So I didn't want it to disturb the point you were making. So please uh, go ahead and conclude with your point. The, the, the point I am making is that we, we, we have to go through these units and we have done now about 11, but you have really old power stations. Uh, for example, the oldest that I can remember in the fleet was completed, its construction was completed in 1957. Now, if my mathematics serves me well, that is in the 70s, uh, in the age of that power station, and it should have been retired at age 50. But because there's nothing else to replace it with, we have had to keep running that power station together with many others. So the, the, the ones that we have not yet maintained, because we have to keep the lights on, uh, are deteriorating a lot faster 
than uh, that, that you want than, than you will get uh, to which then uh, increases the breakdown uh, to, to about 15 16000 megawatts when we can comfortably only uh, work with breakdowns of 11000 megawatts and less so I have to unfortunately again take the people into our confidence and say we will continue to have load shedding and, and, and we, will, we will come to the people again and, and, and inform them as soon as we possibly can. Uh, the reality though is the machines are not reliable and they do not give a notice when they will break down. That is why sometimes you find you get the shortest of notices. Yeah, Pliras, we're going to have to leave it there and uh, yeah, I... I wish you all of the best because I, 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 uh, all we know is that we are in the darkness. Konati Manjanja, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Konati Manjanja speaks on behalf of uh, ESCOM. What do you make of that?